Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mary. Today is my first ever interview. So we have a very special guest, my really dear friend, Jess, Jessica Damasi, who's at Holy Healed on Instagram. Hey Jess, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be the first guest. It's like a high, high privilege. I seriously couldn't have thought of a better first guest than you. Hmm. Like, can I just tell you what I love the most about you? And people yes. <laughs> always. But what I love the most about you is like, I was telling my boyfriend earlier that, you know, I have two best friends here in town and then I have him and I have my mom, right? So I kind of have this like self-love network where when I'm feeling some type of way or when I need advice or when I just want to talk, like I think who would be the best person for this situation. And I was telling my boyfriend earlier, I was like, Jess is the type of person that I call when you know, my two best friends, like can't help me. You can't help me. Mom can't help me. Nobody can help me. All I need is Jessica's energy. (laughs) And that's like how I feel about you. Hence why I reached out on Monday, which is how we put this together. I love that. That's such an honor. And that's all I've ever wanted was to be that person. You know what I mean? To just like uplift others and empower. It gives me like my juice. Yeah. You got a lot of juice to give. I do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> I want to start. That's a little perverted. Huh? I, was just, um, I was laughing. I was like, this is mm. half of my language is just sexual perversions, honestly. So, yes, which brings me to like, I would love to read your profesh bio and then I'm going to read your Instagram bio. Um, what I see on the front page of your website is that you're a certified eating psychology coach specializing in functional endocrinology and the voice behind all things Holy Healed, which is your online platform, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're on a mission to redefine health the non-diet culture way. And here at Holy Healed, we encourage empowered education, discourage food policing, and send a big fuck you. You wrote F on your website, but I'm just going to drop it right now. To diet culture dogma, asterisk, sass, not optional. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You read it exactly as it was intended. So way to go, Mary. Woo! I feel like I'm on your level of sass, which is like life goals. And (laughs) your Instagram bio is food freedom, feminism, and giving no fucks, which also happens to be the title of this podcast. So tell me about, I think like, I don't know about you, but my bio like means a lot to me. You also have, if I'm not here, I'm acting because you're an actress and you're a certified EPC, which is eating psychology coach, haze and hormones, health at every size and hormones. So you're so Mm -hmm. multifaceted and like you cover so many things on just your Instagram alone. Like I keep telling you this over and over again, I'm going to publicly tell you this so you can never run away from this, but the stuff share on your Instagram is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Thank you. Like millions. You, you are just worth everything. So, but you serve this community, like from the goodness of your heart. So tell me about like your bio and how that came about. Because personally, like when I change my bio, it's like, Hmm. it's a new, that's really interesting that you you said it. Cause the way that I feel about bios and the way that I feel just in general about like having to label myself is exactly that. I, 
I struggle with being able to like put into words exactly what I do, what I am, or like how to present myself to the world because I struggle with feeling like put in a box. Like that is one of something that I, as a person, I struggle with being controlled. I struggle with p- being like put limits on. And so I'm constantly like, I'm multifaceted. Like you can't define me, you know? So bios are always like this identity mm-hmm crisis for me because I somehow want to fit all the things that like I know I'm called to be in like four words or less which is why when podcasters and said they'll ask me for my professional bio I'm like Fuck, I don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm this person I don't know I like my dog like I don't yeah. just like write all this whatever and so it's really interesting because my I think my Instagram bio is probably a really good idea but even now like when I hear you read that back to me I would even say that I've even shifted in this last new year. And you know this, like my business has completely pivoted just a little bit where I started Holy Healed because I had an eating disorder and no one, I didn't get any like integrated help with my eating disorder and all of the physical consequences that were happening, right? You lose your period and your hormones are all over the fucking place and no one can help you. They just tell you to go on the pill or they tell you to lose weight, which hello is the opposite of what you need to hear when you're struggling with disorder eating. And then you go, you know, to a psychologist or to a therapist who maybe isn't exactly certified exactly in the context that you come from. And so I was like really lacking a nuanced perspective. And when I discovered in taking on clients and teaching was that like at the end of the day, I was talking about the branches and I was missing the roots. And so the root of why they were here, the root of why my clients were sitting um, on my screen and were like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with my relationship with my body. I'm struggling with my relationship with food. I don't know why, but like I can't break through a diet culture was actually a lot more than their body and food. And it had a lot more to do with, okay, well, like, what do you believe about who you are at your core? Where is your identity? Like, do you, run away from vulnerability and do you hide in shame? You know what I mean? Like, what do you believe about your worth on this earth? Like very deep, deep, (laughs) difficult to answer questions. And so what I learned was it was like, I would have sessions and by the third, the second or third session, we would not be talking about food and body. We'd be talking about family wounds and trauma and like dysfunction. And Hey, do you know how to cope with emotion? And like very difficult to wrestle with concepts that are the root of why you were even fucking here in the first place. Like why you're struggling so hard around food and your body in the first place. You know what I mean? Like those are branch issues. And if you don't go to the roots, you're going to continue to just be pruning branches your whole life. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> tearing up already because you just said all the things that like I've always been feeling. And what I love is that you don't shy away from all the roots. Like you really, you have a way of speaking that it's like relatable and it's like you're, you literally feel like the voice inside my head. I think one thing I struggle with a lot on Instagram is like, there's so many Mm. deep things that I want to talk about, but it's so difficult to tie in and you do exactly that where you tie it in. So can you give me like an example of like, say I come to you, I have body image issues. Um, I'll tell you my personal background. Like I just, this is me like four years ago. I just stopped competing in bikini fitness competitions. My hormones are all over the place. And I have like an extreme, extreme fear of gaining weight. Where would you like start with me? And what, what would that look like? And where's, where's my shit coming from? Like basically diagnose me, Dr. Jess. Totally. 
<laughs> okay, so the first thing that I that I do in those instances, I know it's very tempting to be like, okay, let's talk about diet culture and let's let, let's talk about fat phobia and like all the ways where that's actually conditioning and yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though that's super important, that's literally so important. It has an entire chapter in my program. It's necessary education. But what I am more interested in is what gaining weight actually symbolizes to you because you're not actually afraid of fat. Like you're not actually afraid of this. You're afraid of what it signifies to you and where that comes from. Because for everyone, it means many different things. Maybe it means not being lovable. Maybe it means being a failure. Maybe it means, you know, that I'm no longer in the market for like someone to romantically love me. Maybe I grew up with a mom that was obsessed with diet culture and watching her demonize her body is now, I have now been, that's been, I've been projected onto me. And so I feel like if I gain weight, I'm a failure to my mother who I always wanted to earn her love, right? So like the first thing that you want to do is to ask yourself, what does that mean? What do those fears mean? And where did they come from? Mm -hmm. And keep going until you hit some kind of root, right? It's not just about, well, I'm afraid that people will think I'm fat. Okay, well, what what the fuck does that even mean, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. what does that actually symbolize to you? Um, and if you keep going, you will be shocked at what you find. Mm. And never is it actually about your body, right? Like, that's the one thing that I'll tell people is you keep digging until it's not actually about what your body looks like. Mm. And how do you keep digging? Is this like a journal? Is this like a self-talk? Is this like therapy? Like, what, what do you keep asking yourself? I've heard the thing that's like, well, what does this mean to you? And then just keep asking that over and over and over again. But is there a way that you personally do this? I love journaling and I love like having someone there. So I'm a big proponent of, I mean, I go to therapy. I've been going to therapy for years. It is amazing. Having a space to have someone ask those questions. But at the end of the day, you can ask yourself questions, whether you want to sit down and journal, whether you want to have a friend that you're like, hey, I'm going through this process. Can you just help me as I sit here and ask myself these questions and bounce things, things off? Because I know that I'm going to try to escape this hard, you know, work. Mm -hmm. You can kind of do it in whatever way you want. But I'm a big believe that like the second you start asking these questions, the second you just stop and you're, and you, you can even talk out loud to yourself. I find that really effective. You can't undo that. Like awareness is very powerful. Even if you choose to do nothing about it, even if you're like, wow, I'm aware. All of a sudden I'm learning about diet culture and I'm aware of it, but I don't really know what to do. This simple act of having your eyes open, mm -hmm. you can't close them again. And even if you try to close them again and pretend you didn't know it was there, you can't go back in time, right? So like yeah. even just beginning to ask these questions, sit down and journal and just simply like have a simple journal prompt and ask yourself, like, where did this even come from? Like, what do I remember about growing up? Did I feel this way when I was six? seven, eight, nine, like, what, like, where does it start? Even just asking yourself those questions. Once that happens, you can't undo that. And I believe that like transformation and growth happens in these micro moments over time. It's not like you have, I personally never had this big revelation where I'm sitting in my therapist's office and I'm like, Oh my God, I just realized like all of my shit. And now I can understand you know what I'm saying. It's like, the day in and day out of simply observing my emotions, whereas before I would feel and react, right? Mm -hmm. I would take my conditioning as fact. I can't gain weight because it will, you know, boom, 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 boom. I did not question mm -hmm. anything. I did not question my conditioning. I did not question myself. I did not question my, 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 you know, parental upbringing. Like I didn't question any, anything. Yeah. And once you just start to question, it's, it seems so simple, but it's so powerful. You cannot go back. Mm -hmm. It's one of the greatest things that you can do is just to get curious about yourself. Yeah, 100%. One thing that I say a lot is that so many people are just bumbling around through life thinking that, you know, they just need to bumble more 
in order to get what they want or to feel better. And what I mean by Bumble, I mean like work harder and be prettier and be skinnier and Mm -hmm. keep on just doing what they're doing, but harder and faster and more and skin cream that costs a billion dollars for cellulite and all this stuff. Like I just need to spend more money and I need to spend more time and energy and just consume my life with it. And then it'll go away. And it's like, that's a rabbit hole. And that's what I call bumbling because like, I don't know if you've ever watched bees, but they kind of just bumble (laughs) (laughs) each other, you know? Um, And they, that's exactly what they do is bounce off of each other based on what other bees like in their, in their hood, whatever it's called hive hood. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Hive (laughs) are doing right. And they do it based on that and the awareness and that like just mental shift of like, I don't want to bumble anymore. Like mm-hmm. I want to like consciously choose my trajectory and that starts mm-hmm. by consciously choosing your thoughts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what I love about questioning because that that's a perfect example, you know, like why do we seek so desperately? I mean, that's like one form of perfectionism, right? If I can just perform and earn my love, you know, if you no know, pretty girls don't get hurt, pretty girls they get everything that they want. Pretty girls are happy. You know, that was like my mantra. If you looked up the mm-hmm. definition of perfectionist in a dictionary, it would fucking, it would be my high school yearbook photo. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was who I was. And ironically, when people get, you know, have we ever stopped to wonder like why we're all such strivers? Okay, like what are we actually hoping to do? And a lot of times we are desperately striving and hustling for our worth because we think it minimizes the risk of vulnerability, right? Because if we're not hustling for our worth, if we're not earning our love, then we have to sit in the fact that like, are, do we feel worthy enough to accept unconditional love? A lot of times the answer is no, because we don't think that we're good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And so perfectionism and this earning of love and this bumbling and this hustle mentality, it's this way, these like cloaks and this shield we put over ourselves, ironically, in an effort to get love and connection, but it's the one thing that stops us from doing so because we're not willing to be vulnerable and we're not willing to get very raw and very messy with ourselves and with other people, right? We just kind of walk around with a mask thinking, oh, this will make me like feel loved and seen Mm -hmm. and accepted and it makes you feel anything but. Yeah. Oh yeah. Truth bomb. Like if you didn't hear that, go rewind and (laughs) re-listen. Rewind and re-listen because that is so true. Just question for you, like totally personal and um, there's no like right or wrong answer. But one thing that I found with me personally is when I like realize things about myself, like when I get a few levels deeper into that, like why, like, okay, why am I so scared of gaining weight? And I um, don't have like drastic turning points, but looking back, I do know moments that kind of... um, characterized what those micro turning points look like, like you were talking about. And one of those was one that I shared two episodes back was that I was sitting in my naturopathic doctor's office and I was like, I just don't know why I keep binge eating. And it was just such an emotional moment because she looks at me in the eye and she goes, you're so stressed, honey. You're so stressed with like so much love and compassion. And I lose it on her. I'm like, what the fuck could I possibly be stressed about? Like I'm 17 years old. I'm living my life. I have a full ride scholarship to college. I live by myself. I'm it's summer vacation. I don't even have like school stress. Like what? I didn't know that stress came in many different forms. And she looks at me and she goes, worrying about what other people think about you is really fucking stressful. And that like really landed with me. But then, you know, I had that awareness and I almost felt shittier about myself because I think my whole life, I always told myself that I don't care what other people think about me. 
and being called out like that or another moment when I realized that I really, really seek validation from men, um, especially like Mm -hmm. even just as recent as like a year and a half back, like after my big breakup, I was like, I just really wanted to be, to be wanted, um, which Mm -hmm. so many of us do. And I, but me personally, I was like, no, I'm the only one that cares this much about men. And I labeled myself as I'm so boy crazy. And why can't I just live my life? And I'm so empowered in other areas of my life. But this one, like, you know, a guy gives me a compliment and suddenly I'm in bed with him. I'm like, what the Mm -hmm. Fuck Mary. And so like that awareness like almost made me feel really bad about myself. Um, because I also didn't know what to do with it. And and like you said, like a lot of this shit is just so uncomfortable that we don't want to admit to ourselves. And that's part of the reason why we don't do this and why we don't say, Well, why am I so scared of gaining weight? Is because we're scared of what is beneath that surface. We really truly yeah. are. We know that it's not gonna be comfortable. We know that it's not gonna be pleasant to hear that you care a lot about what other people think about you. Um, you're always seeking validation from men. Um, you know, mm. like that's not comfy stuff that we are proud of, if that makes sense. So what's yeah. like the next, what's like the next step? Like, how do you approach it with compassion instead of shame? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, and basically what that, what you're talking about is meta emotions, which I go into, I talk about a lot. Um, And it's essentially what you feel about what you feel. And that is actually where a lot of the pain lies. A lot of our pain doesn't come from what we feel. It's a resistance to what we feel or the judgment of what we feel, right? It's those secondary meta emotions. Mm -hmm. And so what you're describing is like you are aware and then all of a sudden the shame and the judgment you cast upon yourself. And what's really helpful, and this is why origin stories are so important. Like a lot of people are like, there's no point in digging into why because you're not in the why, you just move forward. But why allows for compassion? Because the truth of the matter is when we have shame, it's a self-protective mechanism so that we're not hurt. And if we and if we are really honest with ourselves and we trace our stories back to experiences or lies we believed about ourselves, we do it because we're trying to attempt to protect ourselves in defense, right? So for example, like um, my relationship with men, right? I didn't necessarily grow up with like a healthy example of what that looks like, right? And so in order to protect myself from getting hurt, I've formed all of these attachments or like intimacy issues. And so instead of being aware of like, I remember I have a vivid memory of like sitting, a lot of people don't know this, but my husband and I, we're very like open on Instagram and I formed Holy Healed after we were married. So a lot of people didn't see like our relationship beforehand, but we were dating for two years and we both were like, yes, we want to get married. This is the thing. And I called it off like very suddenly. And I was having one of those, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. Like a lot of, I either have to confront my shit or like, I'm going to lose this person that I love more than anything, but somehow like I can't get myself to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in therapy and like, it was such a difficult transition to see these issues, you know, and not hate myself for them. Like I can't, you know, be intimate with him. Like I'm terrified of this. I'm terrified of that. And instead have my therapist ask me like, well, honey, like, why do you think that is? And then all of a sudden you realize, well, you go back to like when you were little and like, well, I was terrified of intimacy because, you know, feelings to me were weaknesses. Like I was not allowed to feel in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of these reasons why you are the way that you are. And it's not a matter of, okay, now I'm going to identify with that forever. It's bringing clarity so that you can, what I call reparent yourself. And it's not a matter of, okay, all of our parents sucked and they couldn't do that. That's not what I'm saying. It's that if you are a kid growing up in this world, you have shit, 
You just do. And you as an adult are the only person responsible for healing that. Like you cannot rely on your parents. You cannot rely on your significant other as much as I love my husband. Like he's not in charge of fixing my shit and making me feel healed. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not his responsibility. It is my responsibility when I see that awareness to do the digging and to be able to almost be like the parental figure and say, Hey love, like you're doing this thing. Maybe like you're, you're lashing out. And it's actually because you feel like unloved and that makes you get really um, angry because that's more safe than feeling very vulnerable. But you know what? We're not going to do that because you are safe and like, it's okay. So why don't you go back to Max and like, say you're sorry and like, tell him that you're actually not feeling loved. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you have to have this kind of conversation, reparent yourself and ask yourself, well, why that is like, don't just see what you're doing and then be like, well, fuck, like I'm terrible with mom. Like I, I'm I'm in self-destructive behavior. Like what the fuck, what the fuck? But like, ask yourself why it's the same thing. Like we, what we talked about at the beginning of that episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, where do you think that, com- that comes from? Like, did you see that modeled? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. wh- how long have you been doing that? You know, what, what service, what protective service does that actually give you? And when you kind of think about that, it allows you to see yourself with so much more compassion because mm-hmm. instead of seeing yourself as the enemy, you see yourself as like a child that's really struggling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And nobody can be mad at a child. Is reparenting like a similar way to like inner child work? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. And the the beauty of that is like you literally see yourself as five year old you with all your they're not even struggles at that point because you're just so vulnerable. You're like a sponge absorbing everything that society and your parents and your peers have told you. And so when you see it as like being your five-year-old self, like you physically cannot be angry or ashamed of that Mm -hmm. because you see yourself as a product of like your upbringing and like, you know, like, of course, of course you would do that, you know, like you were five. And then meanwhile, you also see like how strong you were as Mm -hmm. a five-year-old to have certain coping mechanisms that have kept you surviving for this long Mm -hmm. and have have kept you like safe in whatever way you knew how. And it's actually like, you know, really profound the route Mm -hmm. that you took in order to keep yourself safe and in order to like, you know, not fly, like, you know, not basically end your life, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that, that I see is there's stages to that. So there's like the awareness and the inner child for yourself, but eventually you get to the point where because of the own, the compassion you've given yourself and the inner child work you've done, you can look at other people and see like when their inner child is coming out. And I think that that is what's so important because, and I say this to clients all the time when we're talking about boundaries and, oh my God, like this friend, this toxic person, et cetera, et cetera. And you're able to say like, literally all these people walking around are essentially children that were like stunted and then grew up. So they don't look like children anymore. But if you think about how many, you know know what I'm saying? Like we're carrying all this fucking shit and we never learned how to like evolve and grow and heal. And so it's one of the reasons why like we look at all these problems of like there's so much pride and there's so much toxic masculinity and there's so much like esteem issues. And you look when you look at the world after that your own healing, you just see like, oh my God, all of these wounds were never healed. And then you add on adults like adulting on top of it and they become very volatile and dangerous. But at their core, there's like a massive lack of healing. And so you're able to not let people into your space. You know what I mean? You have boundaries, but you're able to like see your parents, you know what I mean? And, and your friends and like your spouse, like you're able to see these people 
in their own work of like, wow, I actually, you know, like that sounds like, like a childhood wound or like, that sounds like something that you're lashing out from, but I can actually see that you're hurt. Whereas before it would have just been like their wound hits your wound. So then you're fighting and you're reacting. You know what I'm saying? And then it's just like, all of a sudden, yeah, you're fighting about fucking nothing, but you're angry. Where did we, how did we even get here? And so I think that that's why, like, when you take radical responsibility for your own work, that is the most effective way to change the world, right? Because it affects your entire circle. And just think, like, if everybody did that. I mean, honestly, it's completely radical. It's amazing. Yeah, we'd all be, like, so woke. (laughs) And, yeah, thankfully, like, so many people are becoming more and more woke. So, like, I know between like how my friends and I communicate, my parents and I communicate because thankfully they're really open to this kind of stuff too. It's like, we literally talk like if my mom and I are fighting and then we're trying to reconcile, we literally will say things like my experience of you is, Mm -hmm. and then like fill in the blank. Like, you know, you weren't there for me, like all this stuff. Um, Instead of being like, you fucking suck mom, you know? Um, And it's just like such a shift. And it's also so simple to like recognize that like, this is your experience. And because I think that this idea idea of like, this is your experience and your perspective and everybody has different one. I think we don't emphasize enough that like this morning I was listening to Esther Perel and she says, can you, can you imagine the fact, like literally cold, hard fact that that other person experienced this totally different Mm -hmm. than you did? Mm -hmm. Like totally different, not just even a little bit different, but totally different. And that's when we have relationship problems. Like I thought I was being nice and you think that they were being a dick. Yeah. And there's just a total disconnect, but it's because we all just, like you said, we're all just like giant five-year-olds, like bumbling around trying to figure it out with like the responsibilities of adulting on top of that. Um, No, that's so spot on. Yeah. And what we often do is we can't reconcile that, right? So like, and this is one of those things that I think comes with like emotional growth and maturity is the ability to say, this is how I experienced this. But I also recognize that that is not the only interpretation, right? Whereas oftentimes in the beginning of one's journey, it's very common to like, bring this awareness to your wounds and then to stick with them and be like, oh my God, like all these people screwed me over. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, no, like, Whereas I, that was what happened when I started therapy. It was like, I saw all of these wounds that I carried from childhood from like tons of different people. And in the beginning, I didn't see the fact that those people actually carried their own wounds and like were struggling in their own ways and saw a situation completely differently. It was just, no, 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 you hurt me. No, 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 I have these wounds. No, 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 like this is the experience because it's my experience. And that's a natural swing from I don't recognize anything. And so I don't, I don't like give any power to my experience. You'll swing the other way to no, no, no. My experience is the only experience, but both of those places are not actually productive. Mm, Oh my goodness. I think we just figured out like everything I've ever been wondering because I particularly have a few people close to me that have done similar work that I've done, but they process it so much differently in a very selfish and just not productive way where they're always like a victim of those wounds that they just discovered. Mm -hmm. Um, And they never like go forward to recognize that other people also have their wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, of course there are like extreme case scenarios where this doesn't apply. I just want to do a caveat there. Like for example, Mm -hmm. sexual harassment and stuff. I know there's like some people that are like, Oh, well you need to be empowered by it. And like, okay, like, no, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't like when people say that um, because there are some like extreme circumstances. So I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about like the daily and like the things that so many of us go through, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's helpful 
you know, even like there are a lot of people close to me that have been victims of like molestation, sexual assault. And I, this is like a tricky subject, so I'm not going to dive into this specifically, but I do think it's interesting. I found, and they'll say this a lot to me. There's a, there's a really helpful difference in recognizing the differentiation between being victimized, like victimization and being a victim, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's like, recognizing the wrong and seeking like retribution and justice and like necessary justice and healing versus mm-hmm. now this is all you are right and, mm-hmm. and now it has become the captive like of your identity and one mm-hmm. leads to healing and justice and growth and the other leads to you shrinking right like one leads to you kind of um expanding and one leads to you shrinking and it's such a fine line you know what I'm saying? And I think that any of us that have trauma and like we walk the line, like and and on any given day, honestly, I'll be completely honest, right? But it's like having to choose, okay, but like what what side of the line am I on? Am I being expanded or is it actually becoming my prison? You know what I'm saying? And that takes a lot of self-awareness and intentionality to do. Yeah. And years and years of like deep work that's uncomfortable, that's gonna be up and down and up and down that's totally not linear and wherever people are at is perfect because it's all part of the process. But I think that is so, so freaking powerful, the difference between victimization and being a victim. It's almost like one, like you can choose, right? Um, And I'm comparing it to something really basic, like the difference between making a quick decision and making a rushed decision. It's like one of them, you are bumbling and you know, you're not serving anyone and rushed, rushed things just don't help. It's like, you know, when you rush and you end up being more late because you rushed because you spilled something while you were rushing, it's like that, you know, and then making a quick decision can actually be very empowering. So that's like the first kind of analogy that popped into my head, although it's totally irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that distinction. And this is why like part of the reason why I think reading has been so healing for me is because books and podcasts and learning in general, not just reading, but the differentiation between different words, because the more empowered we are in our language and our language usage and therefore how we talk to ourselves, the more empowered we are to heal. Mm. We have mm-hmm. like those tools. It's like awareness plus some new lingo and distinctions. Like I love that word. Um, equals like healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it a lot. I spent. I love you. I, <laughs> I love you, Mary. I spent. I just did like you know a, a week media fast where mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I deleted my Instagram app. I didn't go on social media. I didn't watch Netflix. I like took it all the way to TV. And what I was consuming, I took it all the way to podcasts um, and mm-hmm. things like that. So it was, wow. yeah, no, it was very, um, I was, I was like, I let myself listen to music because music is very healing and it's not um, like world-based, right? So music can kind of take you to a world that's completely different. Like, it's not like, I don't know, for some reason, I just think it's artistically very different. Mm-hmm. Um but it was, it was so, I mean, I spent so much time with myself, Mary. <laughs> I spent so much time with myself that you, I forgot, you know, and this last winter and fall was really difficult for me because I didn't enact like enough of this self-care that I teach other people. And so what happens is you do all this work to like heal with yourself and to get to know yourself. And then what happens is then when you leave yourself and you self-abandon 
you know, you don't put your needs first, you don't do self-care, you don't spend time with yourself, you ignore your emotions, it feels like another micro like wound, right? It's like mm-hmm. you you feel abandoned by yourself. And then you wonder why you're irritated and frustrated and angry and resentful and exhausted, you know? And I was in therapy like at the beginning of the week week, and this is why I decided to do it. And I was just like crying and I was like, I just miss myself, Mm -hmm. which sounds so weird. And I never would have said that years ago because I didn't even know who I was. I didn't know if there was something to miss. Like I had never experienced the intimacy with myself. So I didn't know what I was missing, but then you, you do. And then that baseline is different. And then when you ignore or you numb, or you like, you don't spend time pouring into yourself, you, you don't, you don't, you can't explain it, but you're like, I miss her. Like I miss myself, you know? And so I totally, I I don't, this is not the same as what you're saying, but it reminded me because you were like pouring into yourself, like being with yourself. And I'm just like, yes, I'm myself. I'm on a new, ugh, like needing to reprioritize that. And it's been life changing. Yeah, I need to do that. It's one of those things I keep saying I need to. And I really like how you included all media, like podcasts, everything, because I find myself being much better with like cold turkey mentality, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which sometimes is totally to my detriment. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas other times it's kind of, it's really powerful because I know that, you know, like if I don't write first thing in the morning at 4am, it cannot be 7am like a normal person. It has to be 4am because that is the kind of person that I am just like knowing that about myself. But you know, that extreme of like, I mean, it's not even that extreme because if you think about it, like 10 years ago, it's not like we were like always listening to a podcast or always on social media or always like texting. Like we weren't doing that or watching TV, you know, but um, now it feels mm-hmm. extreme. How interesting at the, is that? Like doing the whole media detox. I need yeah. to do that and I will. That is my public promise to you. Um, because I totally know that feeling <laughs> of losing yourself. And I think that it's almost harder when what you're doing is good for the world. You know, it's not like you're distracting yourself totally. or anybody else. It's like you're getting mm-hmm. all this praise and this recognition, like at least, you know, on on social media, mm-hmm. it's the illusion. What did you call it when we were texting? The illusion of productivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's like, there's so many excuses. I have, well, my business is on yeah. Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, well, but th- like, this is my yeah. lively, like I'm serving these people, like, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I was finding myself doing was I was filling my time with things that was, that were like an illusion of being productive. You know what I'm saying? I was spending a lot of time being busy, but I wasn't actually being Mm. effective. And I, and my life became not as effective. You know what I'm saying? My time with my husband, my time with myself, my time on Instagram, my time with my community was not as effective because I was actually focused on being busy and having the illusion of productivity. And so that was when I, a lot of people don't like, will know this story, but Mary has been, kicking my ass on writing my program because I have been really dragging my feet and she has been the one that's like, Jessica, get your fucking shit together. Like the, like this needs to happen. And so when I did that media fast, I would wake up and I had not, and I just like wrote and produced. And she was the first person I was like, guess what? Oh my <laughs> guess God. what I did? I finally did. But I was, but I was avoiding it. Why? Because of fear of failure, because of nerve, right? And so it's like, we hide our fears and the things we most need to do, whether it's caring for ourselves, whether it's producing that content, whatever, mm-hmm. around this blanket of like, well, I'm terrified of doing that, but like, I'll just, you know, like do these other things to convince myself that I'm still being like effective in my time. But it's yeah. not, it's, it's kind of an illusion. You know what I mean? And you can do that with anything like relationships, business, you know what I mean? You can do that, kind of pull that with everything. But it was a really big, um, uh, like, well, mirror moment for me when I was like, wow, I'm really 
like yeah. just fucking around. <laughs> well, literally the story of my freaking life. When I can get one hour of just time, like without my phone, I literally feel proud of myself. And then I feel pathetic mm-hmm. for being proud in the first place because it's so simple. <laughs> but that's another story. Um, I'm mm-hmm. also honored. And I, those of you who know me personally or have perhaps come to my retreats or something, you'll know that like I am so lovey-dovey and friendly and I like hugs and then I give a good ass kicking when needed and it usually <laughs> <laughs> catches people so much off guard because I literally turn into a different person when I believe in someone, mm-hmm. Just And that's like what – and we've been talking about this literally for the past over a year, right? Like, Yeah, seriously. But just with you, like I, I just think – and I've always thought, and I'm so proud of you for doing this, like that you, for you in particular, and I don't feel that about, I don't feel this way about this many people. Like you give so much of yourself away that you deserve to be compensated for it. Hmm. And that was me like with the, just write your program because us being stuck in perfectionism is actually hurting people because if they're not going to buy your program, they're going to go to a personal trainer at the gym who's going to tell them that they will get confidence and fix their hormones if they do hit every three days a week for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it like, and for me, a big game changer in that, which was when I started like putting out ebooks that like, if you have my ebook, you know, it's not like pretty, you know, I mean, it has some design, but it's not like designed or it's not like, like I have it on my ghetto website. Like there's nothing to <laughs> it because for me, it was just about getting it out there. You know, it's just about like helping people. I don't care if it looks ugly. I don't care if it doesn't have branding or sales or marketing, or I don't even care if I've only been at this for two years. And there are so many people that can help better. It's like, they're not doing it. So I'm going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so glad and I'm honored. Mary. I love you, boo. I love you more. Um, can I ask you one more question? Yes, of course. Well, it'll probably turn into like three more questions. You know my personality. <laughs> um, but like where does feminism tie into all this and how has that empowered you? And one little follow-up question, like how have you embraced like being a feminist without all the like – shame that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know if this is just me, but sometimes I feel a little nervous saying the word feminism or mm-hmm. talking about the patriarchy because there is so much negative connotation and stereotypes that come with that. And I think that you present it in such a empowered and empowering way where you literally walk your talk. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's very kind. So, okay. First question where does feminism come in? I discovered feminism on basically through learning about diet culture because it wasn't enough for me to just kind of realize like, oh, they're profiting off of our insecurities, right? What I saw was an entire sect of people, women particularly, believing and feeding into the insecurity. Why? Like, why exactly are we the ones who are buying, like, why, like, if it was actually just, you know, some capitalist, like, part, and it was, you know, preying on people's insecurity, men and women would be equal victims of diet culture, and that is not true, and that was why I was like, why are we the ones who find ourselves in this fucking position, and the truth of the matter is that in kind of asking those questions, it was revealed that, like, well, because women are having to battle the roles of what it is to be a woman and it's killing us. Right. And so like feminism to me was that was the antidote to that because 
all of this work that we're doing as born, if you're born in and you have a vagina, they're automatically going to be like, you're a girl. And guess what? That means you have a role to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, that's the world that we live in. And so before we even have conscious thought, we are having to fight against expectations that are mile high on what we should be, look like, act like, want literally everything. And the shit is, I mean, to use your words, like we're all bumbling and most of us don't even fucking think twice about it. You know what I'm saying? And I was that person that was like, I wanted to be the perfect woman. You know what I mean? I wanted men to love me. I wanted to be sexy and I wanted to be, but also virginal. And also, you know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to be smart, but not too smart that I would, it was like, what the fuck? And so my whole brand, like my branding is on this word liberation. And a lot of people doesn't know, don't know what that means when I say it. And it's, you know, it's no longer living your life for the approval of others. But in order to do so, you can't just be an individual in your individual bubble. You have to recognize, well, we're not just talking about expectations from your parents and from that friend and your ex-boyfriend. We're talking about the expectations that are placed on you by society Mm -hmm. at large that you probably don't even know you are getting stressed out from, right? Why is it that you feel constantly that you need to always look presentable? Why is it that you feel chronically gazed at when you walk down a street, right? These are questions that we accept as a part of our existence that I started to be like, but why the fuck? Like, why, why is this just how it is? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, author Renee, I'm blanking on her last name, but she wrote the book Beauty Sick, which I highly recommend mm-hmm. everyone read it. It's a phenomenal read. She talks about this chronic looked atness, mm-hmm. right? And this idea of being chronically gazed at and what it produces in a population of women. And what happens is an entire um, sex of people feel that their life is now a performance. We, as women, don't know the difference between living and performing because they have been combined for so long, right? And I started to see in my own life how everything I was doing down to how I was doing to my hair and how I was speaking in class and what I was saying that I wanted and, you know, letting people kiss me that I didn't want to kiss me. You know what I'm saying? Like every fucking thing was based on, um, how do I say this? Like viewership, right? How it was being perceived by people. And if I was fulfilling a role, I didn't even understand the concept of like, I'm living my own life inside my body as like the agent of my life. That was weird to me, right? Because what is life if you're not constantly thinking about what other people are thinking about you? I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, that's a little bit of a tangent, but that was kind of where feminism came in. Because to me, it was like, you start on this individual path but it naturally has to lead towards, I'm not the only one feeling this way. And if there's millions and millions of women feeling this way, it's probably not an individual issue. It's probably a world issue and a societal issue and a massive inequality. And there's probably more conversations we should have about it on a macro scale. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that just fucked me up in every direction. <laughs> <laughs> what is the book called? It's called Beauty Sick beauty sick oh my goodness yeah and I talk a lot I yeah I know this was like my favorite part to write in my program was this I basically really highly believe in like okay you need to understand the macro forces at play to even understand the weight of your individual insecurities like it's not enough Mm -hmm. to say hey I know you don't like your body hey I know you really struggle with worth no 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 like let's really paint the picture because that adds so much levity to your struggles. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What is levity? Levity is like heaviness, like heaviness. Oh. Heaviness. Okay. Fun fact. I Did you know I was like ESL? 
I did not know that. Yeah, my first language was Russian. So like, I feel like my whole life, I've like trained myself to always ask what words mean. Because like, if you don't know what a word means, like you just miss the whole thing, right? Well, good. Um, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Like you literally just fucked me up. I can't wait to read that book. Like yeah, I need that in phenomenal. my life. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I think that like basically so many women are conditioned to like live their life like a reality show. 1000%, yes. And yep. social media just also amplified it, you know, yes. um, whether yes. you're just on it or whether you are, you know, participating in it, like a creator right. on social media, like it just amplifies it because you're always looking at yourself. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm always watching my own story and going through my own profile, which is <laughs> kind of weird. But and we all do like it. Yeah, it's almost like sometimes I look at my own profile and I don't, it doesn't even register that it's me. I just yeah. look at it like if it was somebody else, you know. Um, and on social, we also like we look at other people, we look at ourselves and everything. There's just a giant disconnect. So what's like the feminism you said is the antidote to that? How have you like applied that? Mm-hmm. I think as far as application, it's such an interesting thing because I'm trying to think like, well, like how have I applied feminism like in my life? And it's hard for me to find tangible, like, oh, I applied feminism in this way. Because to me, feminism, learning about feminism, reading about these things was the concept and the construct with which I understood my own individual struggles. So to me, it was kind of like when I'm struggling with my body, it wasn't helpful enough for me to be like, oh, I know I'm worthy because like, I just, I know this, you know what I mean? Like whatever it is. Mm It's important to me to learn about like, well, why the fuck is this such a hard struggle? Like, remember, Jess, like you are not created. You are not a doll. You're not a sex toy. Like you are not created to be this ornament that goes around in life. Like you were created with a purpose and having the larger why is necessary for me, at least. And it's what I teach my clients. Like it's necessary for these lessons to be more effective because it's not effective enough in your everyday life for you to just be on an island. You need, you need a cause. Like it's more effective for you to be like, Hey, we're working on your individual, individual issues, but let's learn about how other, like these issues are actually present on a grand scale. Because what I, what I see is that people get really angry, not in a bad way, but in like a righteous way. Like, Oh my God, I never thought about that. You're right. Like I am always looked at and I do always think about that. And I don't like that. And it's like, yes, good. You need to see it. Mm -hmm. You need to recognize it for what it is because the world will not change unless our eyes are open. You know what I mean? Oh my God. You just like fucked me up again. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, 100% because like, you know, I always say we, we heal the world by healing ourselves and it's so true. I mean, it could be a cute thing to say, or you can actually apply it by channeling that anger. And I think anger is so, so, so powerful. A lot of the times we fear anger instead of stepping into it in the right ways. And like, if you think about sports players, like football players or like UFC matches, like, you know, they don't win unless they get really angry at whatever it is. It is not the person they are punching. It is just the whole, the whole idea of, of it in the first place. Right. And I've done the exact same thing. Like I always say my Instagram audience saved me mm-hmm. as like crazy as it is. I feel like I would have never healed if I would have never had that bigger why. If yeah. it wasn't for my little sister, if it wasn't for my Instagram audience, if it wasn't for my first ever client whose mom literally emailed me three times when I multiple times told her I am not qualified. And she said, no, we will pay you because my daughter only wants to talk to you. Mm. And if it wasn't for like those 
key things in my life. Like I would have never just done it just to feel good about myself totally. because as, as appealing as that sounds like, Oh, I just want to be confident. It's like, no, it's like, it's yeah. so much more than that. Like nobody yeah. just really wants to feel pretty. Yeah, no, exactly. And when you talk about like how, how do you fight the stigma? You know, it's really interesting. And I think that it's really easy when we talk about like things like feminism and the patriarchy, like immediately people go towards like, Oh my God, like, people getting angry and hating men and like all these things. But it's very, very important to remember. And this is like the core of my life. Feminism is not a bat with which to beat other women over the head with. If your feminism is being used to judge and hate other women, it is not feminism. Like it is not genuine feminism. If it is being used as a like stoking a fire for hatred, you don't want equality and peace. You want revenge or you want, you know what I'm saying? Like this is not true feminism. And I think that it's so important to remember because the truth of the matter is, is that what is empowering for other people is going to be different than you. And remembering, like we talked about going back to, and this is where like individual and macro really come into a play because at the end of the day, like we're all individuals with wounds and with issues, you know, and we're dealing with this on their own. So I'm not going to look at men and be like, they're the fucking worst. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at the forces that are on them. I'm asking ourselves, how can we invite them into the cause? Because we are not going to find equality without men being on our side. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not a one woman, like we're just here fucking placing fire to villages and be like, fuck you if you have a penis. Right. So it's like, you have to ask yourself, okay, but what is my main goal when you're on Instagram or when you find yourself wanting to judge someone? Like, is my main goal peace? Is my main goal equality? Is my main goal, you know, encouraging other and teaching other people? Or is it I'm hurt and I'm going to lash out at who I think is the, like, p- the cause of my pain? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And just because this was, this has been so present to me recently, I'm going to share something between you and I um, and everybody listening, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, my, I think so many of our men are like super supportive of women and hopefully, you know, nobody really is in a relationship where people are outright anti-feminist. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like outright being like, you know, women shouldn't have rights and stay in the kitchen. Like, I think very rarely does that show up. It does show up in like the jokes mm-hmm. and which mm-hmm. are so harmful, but I think that it doesn't explicitly show up. And some of the conversations I've been having with my boyfriend is like, he's the kind of person that like, when we first started dating, I was really nervous to like talk about things like this with him because mm-hmm. I was nervous he would roll his eyes. And guess what? Like he did, mm-hmm. you know, because of the way I presented it, I'd be like, oh, it's the patriarchy when he'd say something like so simple, like they can you please like, you know, fold the laundry when in reality, like we have really equal gender splits. And like, you know, just today when we got on the phone, I told you he was painting the door Mm -hmm. as we speak (laughs) and like doing our laundry, doing the housework, sitting here recording. So it doesn't like show up in action, but sometimes it was really difficult for me to elicit because I felt like I was constantly defending myself. And then yesterday we were, yesterday we were on our walk and I remember we were talking about, I think what, it was either in the context of like one of our distant friends, like kind of friends committed suicide Mm. or it was like something else, but it was something like very extreme and it was a male friend. Mm. And I remember we got into this deep discussion of how feminism or like lack of feminism hurts everybody. Mm -hmm. How toxic masculinity, actually lack of feminism hurts our men arguably sometimes in certain scenarios more than it hurts our women. Because if we look at the suicide rate, 
80, what is it? 83% of men. No, it's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. 83% of men. I think that's the number. Don't quote me on that, but it's something crazy like that. Like compared to 17% of women who commit suicide. And I think like men are like 17 times more likely to commit suicide than a woman. So it's like physically it's hurting our men. Maybe they don't express Mm -hmm. it in the way that we do, but physically Mm -hmm. it's literally killing our men. And I think when like that conversation was a big breakthrough for our relationship because it really highlighted the importance of like, you know, when I bring up like that, these certain beliefs are the patriarchy or this joke this comedian made is like totally not okay. And it crosses every boundary, even though I love comedy and I think comedy should cross boundaries Mm -hmm. to make you think, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just not no. Um, Mm -hmm. So it really took it to like a deeper level of like, okay, now we're like, we're really on the same page because now you get it. And like meeting people where they're at is really important and, and seeing the whole mm-hmm. big picture importance outside of women, but also our men and, and people everywhere, like how we all exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think, you know, I've thought a lot about this because I, what I noticed and like my personal experience was that, you know, I spent a lot of time dealing with women who have like been victimized by men. Right. And so feeling like absolute shit and, I will absorb that and feel very angry and feel their hurt. And I, we have, my husband and I have had conversations where like, I will react to him with the weight of all of their anger. Does that make sense? Like, and, and he'll have to be like, Jessica, like, hello, like come back to the conversation because we are on the same team. And I don't think that you get that. You know what I mean? Like, well, like, where are you right now? And Mm -hmm. I think the fact of the matter is that it's a really tricky situation because there's everyone is hurt. This is a fact. The difference is that like one is more prone, or I should say one is more prone to being victims of violence because of the other hurt. And that is where it gets so tricky. Right. And that is why you get the debates of like, yes, but it actually does matter because like we are more of the victims of the violence because of their hurt. And you're like, okay, but how do we protect you and like help their hurt? Right. It's like, and, and sometimes I think about all of the things that like need work and I'm like oh like I just get like weighed down by the world but I'm remembering that like what it comes down to in my personal opinion that we can talk about is like individual radical responsibility of your own healing and teaching individuals on a micro scale like hey you want to help macro issues like go to therapy like you know what I mean like deal with your inner child shit like you got to work through your pride and and fear and you know what I'm saying like all this stuff and and it's one of those things where it's I know that there's like you know books and discussions like how do we best do this but I I'm I mean I was a psychology student I'm an individualist at heart and so I'm like individual 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 like you need to heal your own wounds because those are literally affecting the world yeah yeah 100% that's why this is also important so all this information it's not to be like oh my god we're fucked you know it's like I don't know if you know Mark Manson but he wrote the subtle art of not giving a fuck and he just came out the new book called everything is fucked (laughs) a book about hope and it's about how recognizing that everything is fucked actually gives us so much hope because guess what now we can take action so it goes back to like what we were talking about five minutes into this episode of like okay here's what we can do to not only help you stop quote feeling fat and being so scared of gaining weight but also to like literally change the world mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's that micro macro balance because both are necessary and important yep and Jess you are doing both the micro and the macro and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for not only being a dear friend to me like personally but also everything you provide to us on Instagram I learn from you every single time and if I don't have time to read your post I literally save it 
And then I will go and <laughs> read it to myself and then read it out loud to my friends and send it to everybody I know. Like every single thing that you put out there is solid, solid gold because that's who you are. That is literally how you exist in this world is solid gold with so much value. Mary, I love you. Thank you. You're making me blush. <laughs> I love you. I'm so glad. I love your glow up. By the way, I was so inspired by your skincare because I know like the whole matte situation is so fl- is so like in these days you know that like no i was never a mad girl i'm like i want to look yeah. like a fucking disco ball all year round yeah. <laughs> i tried to be a mad girl and i'm like this just does not fit my personality it doesn't fit my face it doesn't fit like my routine mm-hmm. like no and so i was inspired today so i love it today especially and it. every day because <laughs> you're inspiring and i love you um, i love you is there anything you want to tell our listeners or anything that you want to share or where they can find you your website anything you are featuring right now yeah. like tell us all the goods yeah so you can find me at holy healed on instagram or holyhealed.com and everything that we talked about in this podcast is actually like a little bite of everything that I go to, go into with my new program liberated landing which is a long time coming it's what my like clients and community has been begging for. And so I'm so excited. It's there's so much value in there. There's interviews with over 10 people that I trust expert therapists, you know, body image experts, all this fun stuff. Mary is one of them. I'm very, very excited. So if you want to learn more, always hop on my site or go catch me on Instagram because that will be launching in the beginning of March. Awesome. Holy heel W H O L L Y. Yes. Like a heel. Yes. Like a whole pie. Yep. Like so a whole pie. Not like there's a hole in the pie. Like it's a whole pie. Right. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I love the name of your program, by the way. It's the first time I'm hearing it. Thank you. Can't wait. I might be your first, you. your first customer. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Your first <laughs> life changer. Anyways, thank you so, so much, Jess. And that's a wrap. This episode is sponsored by Retreats by Mary, which are my very own self-love retreats for women. These retreats, we have actually two coming up at the time of this recording. The first one is in Zanzibar, which is March 18th through 24th. That is a seven-day self-love retreat in the magical island of Zanzibar, which, yes, is in Africa. It's a semi-autonomous region off the coast of Tanzania, which is so exotic and cool, and I can't believe it's happening, but there are a couple spots left. So if you want to join us, go to my website and go to self-love retreats. You'll see it right there. And after, we have a retreat coming up in July, July 19th through 23rd, will be our Costa Rica self-love retreat. And both of these retreats are focused around healing body image, building confidence, and loving yourself unconditionally. So I have workshops every single day with you where I will teach you to do exactly that. We go on various excursions depending on which location you're coming to, but If you're coming to Zanzibar, we're going to be paddleboarding and swimming with dolphins and exploring the town and running on the beach and photo shoots and laughter and crying and connecting and dancing and singing and so many things that just connect you to yourself and your body while connecting you with other women that are on the same self-love journey. It truly is a magical experience. I don't even have words to describe it. You just got to be there. So if you're interested in a self-love retreat, like I said, just go to maryscupoftea.com and you will see a self-love retreats tab. Click on that. You can scroll on that page and find a self-love retreat that is calling your name.